What if I just snapped through this whole sermon? <laughs> Will I? <laughs> now you're wondering. There's a group of people who've been wandering somewhat aimlessly, searching for a promised land for 40 years. And they come to the banks of the River Jordan. And a voice calls to them and says, not only are they crossing over a river, but they're meant to cross in some other ways as well, spiritual ways, heartfelt ways. Because see, the thing is, the promised land doesn't fix everything. In fact, maybe it's not the land that changes Maybe it's us. And so as we come to the banks of the River Jordan, as we reflect on West Side Story, the question becomes, what does the promised land promise? We're going to take a look this morning at West Side Story, which we just heard a wonderful medley of uh, from our choir. A story that if you're unfamiliar with, don't worry. I had not seen it either before we planned for this musical. Um, you're in good company. I'll hold our hands along the way. But what I was fascinated to find was the connection, not only that West Side Story, a musical that was uh, written you know, several decades ago, not only its connection to what is happening currently in our lives today, but also its connection to an ancient story in Scripture, the story from Deuteronomy of all places. So West Side Story is the story of these two rival gangs, the Jets and the Sharks, and they love to snap and dance. <laughs> the Jets are comprised of these young men who represent the generational trauma and poverty that exists within uh, these white, at one point, immigrant communities themselves living in the west side of Manhattan. And these are young men we, we learn later on who their fathers they describe as alcoholics, their, their mothers they say struggle with substance abuse. They themselves, if they work, make pennies. They have, were born into these slums and they see no path out of these slums. And then the sharks are young men who are from Puerto Rico and coming in mid-century America with their friends and family seeking that promised land, that American dream opportunity in New York City and finding themselves in these same slums with these jets and discovering that American dream may leave something yet to be promised for people like them. And so there's this inherent conflict that's introduced in the early scenes of, of West Side Story. We're introduced to this conflict through an epic dance-off that ends with a guy getting a nail through his ear. <laughs> it takes a sharp turn. Um, and then the police show up, and we're introduced to Officer Krupke and also a character named Lieutenant Shrank, who says this to the two gangs gathered there. He says, What's a gang without its terrain? 
You're a month or two away from finding out, one step ahead of the wrecking ball. And in this uncertain world, the only thing you can count on is me. That wrecking ball he's referencing is the fact that these slums are being turned over into luxury apartments, because isn't that what we do with poverty? We just push it a little further out of the way and bring something nice and new in its place. One step ahead of the wrecking ball. The book of Deuteronomy is essentially a collection of of sermons and and speeches, and in the 10th chapter, we're, we're essentially meant to be standing on the banks of the river Jordan. And Moses is gathered there with his people. Moses has been leading them for 40 years through this wilderness journey. It's a harsh environment, a punishing environment, a violent environment, a place where they were searching not just for a home, but to understand who they were. And he stands there with them on the banks of this river, knowing that he won't cross into the promised land, but they will. And he's offering in chapter 10 sort of a a sermonic uh, calling to them to remind them of that covenant they established way back at Mount Sinai 40 years ago. It's here on the banks of future and freedom that Moses pauses to remind them of this covenant, what it means to be a covenantal people. And just so you know, for our purposes, what it means to be covenantal in Deuteronomy, it's this idea that law and love were not mutually exclusive concepts. In fact, they were meant to go hand in hand. The idea was that if, if you were so in love with God that, that, that your faithfulness would not just impact your heart, but it would impact your people. It would shape the way you structure your society. So this covenant was going to have real tangible effects upon who they were and how they formed themselves in this promised land that we could love God at an individual and a communal level. Beginning in verse 12 of chapter 10, Moses says this, Now in light of all that, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? Only this, to revere the Lord your God by walking in all of God's ways, by loving God, by serving the Lord your God with all of your heart and being, and by keeping the Lord's commandments and God's regulations that I'm commanding you right now. It's for your own good. Clearly, the Lord owns the sky, the highest heaven, the earth, and everything in it, but the Lord adored your ancestors, loving them and choosing the descendants that followed them, you, from all other people. That's how things still stand now. We'll keep going in a moment. You know, as I said to start, Moses is calling them not just to cross a threshold into a new territory, but but to to cross over some things, to, to leave some things in the past and to step into something new in the future within their hearts, within their spirits. And the first thing he's asking them to leave behind is their fear. Fear could be described as the main character of West Side Story. It's written upon the faces of the young men as they fight in their gangs, as they wonder what their future could or should look like. Fear leads them to conflict, it leads them to violence, it leads them to tragedy. The Israelites also were driven by and quite frankly survived through their fear for 40 years because fear can be a powerful motivator. Sometimes there is a well-grounded reason to be afraid. If you're wandering in the wilderness like the Israelites, fear is just a reality. If you are an impoverished young man growing up in, in a slum in New York City, fear is a reality. Fear can be a powerful motivator, but the product of fear is always simply survival. 
keeps us in a survival mindset and mode, and sometimes survival is all we can hope for. But God's design for Israel, and I would say for us, is not just endless wandering, not merely survival. The alternative that is offered to them as they step into the promised land, the alternative to fear is offered in their understanding of their position as God's people, to see that God isn't just with them in the promised land, but God was with them through those 40 years of wandering, just like God was with them when they were enslaved in Egypt, and God was with them before they even went to Egypt, that God has always been concerned, not just for their present, for their future. And so what they're asked to step out of and into, you know, fear is concerned about what happens next, what comes next, what if everything falls apart, right? What if everything breaks? What if everything ends? And the alternative to fear is hope, because fear and hope both ask what if, but in different ways. Fear asks what if everything falls apart, and hope says what if God continues to hold us. Fear says what if everything breaks, and hope says but what if God is even in the broken pieces? Fear says, what if everything ends? And hope says, what if this isn't the end? Moses finds hope even as one who won't enter into the promised land because sometimes it's enough to hope on behalf of somebody else. Fear and hope both ask what if, but in different ways. I think it's important for us to claim this, especially in, in an election season. Anybody else's cell phone buzzing constantly? I don't know who signed me up for these text messages, but I just want everyone to know, I'm aware when election day is. I promise I'm showing up. If you run one of those text messages and you see my number on there, please just take me off. I promise I'm showing up. But fear is a powerful motivator, right? Fear is a powerful motivator. Right now, we're being told so many ways to be afraid, some of them well-founded, some of them unfounded. But I wonder if we could be a people who ask what if with a spirit of hope and how that might change not just our hearts, but our communities, our societies. The second thing that Moses calls them to step out of and into, he calls them to step out of this tribalistic mindset. Because, you know, fear, what it can do to us is it, it makes us turn on each other, right? makes us adopt a tribalistic mindset. That fear can easily turn on one another and divide us into warring factions born out of a desire, what? To belong. Why do gangs succeed at what they do? It's because they offer people a chance to belong, and we all want to belong. Perhaps that's why you're with us this morning, because you're looking for a church community to belong to, a people, a family to belong to. We all want to belong. The Jets want to belong. The Sharks want to belong. But this tribalism turns jet against shark. It turns Anglo versus Puerto Rican. When Riff, the leader of the Jets, uh, is talking with Tony, um, the Romeo in this modern-day Romeo and Juliet, um, Riff is trying to convince Tony to come to this dance because he sees that they need to spark some conflict with uh, the sharks, and he wants Tony on his side. Tony's recently been released from prison. And Riff says this to Tony. He says, you know, I don't know who I am, and who cares who I am? Nobody, including me. I know that this dust that's covering everything right now, that's the four-story building that was standing here when you went upstate a year ago. 
You know, I wake up to everything I know either getting sold or wrecked or being taken over by people that I don't like, and they don't like me. And you know what's left out of all of that? The Jets. My guys. My guys who are just like me. The Israelites, for more than a generation, have had to live in survival mode, and they've been keeping their literal tribe safe in the midst of a harsh wilderness life. And it's here on the banks of the River Jordan that Moses reminds them what it means to be God's people, to be that tribe. Do you want to know what it means to be a tribe of God's people, Israel? And Moses says this, so circumcise your hearts and stop being so stubborn Because the Lord your God is the God of all gods and the Lord of all lords, the great, mighty, and awesome God who doesn't play favorites and doesn't take bribes. God enacts justice for orphans and widows, and God loves immigrants, giving them food and clothing. That means you also must love immigrants because you were immigrants in Egypt. Hmm. I love the juxtaposition in this passage of of marking oneself, marking themselves. Circumcise your hearts, Moses says. Marking themselves as God's people goes hand in hand with how they treat the orphan and the widow and the immigrants. God loves these people, so if you say you love God, you must mark yourselves by your love as well. God doesn't ask them to mark their hearts, to circumcise their hearts in a way that rejects or excludes, but rather includes and invites, to not, not to necessarily turn a blind eye, but instead to extend care, not to treat harshly, but with hospitality and with compassion. These are the things that mark us as God's people, Moses says. West Side, or this is a people called to be marked by their compassion for all people who are God's people. God plays no favorites. West Side Story deals directly with the topics of immigration and xenophobia and racism, things that we don't have to worry about today, right? <laughs> Something that has unfortunately and tragically been repeated in our history since the first European colonists arrived on these shores. You know, political hopefuls have used tribalism and the stoking of fears towards those people. Those people are so frequently poor immigrants of color. They use that tribalism to gain power. I'm so weary of hearing radio ads that seek to pit the Jets versus the Sharks all these decades later. As I said, the Jets are these young men who are, who are not afforded the American dream that they're told is so possible. They're stuck in this trauma, this cyclical generational poverty, and, and substance abuse is, is named explicitly as part of the problem. And, you know, and then they're told to hate these new Puerto Rican immigrants who are simply trying to build a better life, not just for them, but for their whole community, which includes you and me. And today, this isn't in my script, but can I just say, I'm so sick and tired of our political system pitting rural white America suffering from an opium epidemic right now, and generational cyclical trauma and tragedy, pitting that against, and stoking fears against immigrants who have different shades of, of, of skin color than they do. 
immigrants who are seeking asylum and respite and safety for their family and who are labeled as murderers and cartel members and drug dealers. It's jets versus sharks. And the issue is the wrecking ball's coming for them all, but that's not what the political powers want us to see. They want us to see tribes of opposition because, quite frankly, I think they're afraid of what would happen if we saw each other as brother and sister and sibling. And as the people of God who say we love God, then we have got to find it in our hearts. We have to circumcise our hearts to say we have hearts big enough to care about an opium epidemic in rural America. We have hearts big enough to care about welcoming in the stranger and asylum seekers who are simply trying to find this American dream that we say exists. We have to have hearts big enough for both and more because we cannot love God and reject and turn away the orphan and the widow and the immigrant. And so how will we be marked, my brothers and sisters and siblings in Christ? Living like God's people means loving all of God's people, and God says the widow and the orphan and the immigrant are your people. So live like it. Live like it. The third thing that Moses calls us out of, the last thing that I see this morning is calling us out of that next logical progression. If, if fear leads us into tribalism, tribalism will lead us into a scarcity mindset. Moses calls us from fear into hope and from tribalism into oneness, but what does Moses call us out of scarcity into? The Officer Krupke song in West Side Story is, is hilarious. Um, it's, it's meant to be comedic, and that's what makes it so bitingly good, because it's also one of the hardest songs to hear when you really listen to the lyrics and notice what these jets, these young men are saying about their lives. At one point, one of them says, I'm depraved on account I'm deprived. Mm. Later in the, you know, sort of, climactic moment of the turf war battleground fight they have at the, at the, salt, um, the salt facility. Tony's at this fighting ground where the violence they enter into is going to create a tragic event that I won't spoil, but leads to the second half of the story. And Tony says this, none of us would be here, these fighting grounds, if we believed there was anywhere else we could be. Hmm. None of us would be here if we believed there was anywhere else we could be. The Jets are a group of young men raised, as I've said, in abusive, neglectful, hopeless environment, which leads them to a violent desperation as they see no way out of the slums. I'm depraved because I'm deprived. No way out of the slums that the immigrant community now occupies and hopes to rise from. And the sharks are protective of their Puerto Rican family and friends who are evicted, denied jobs, and generally under the heel of racism and classism, feeling that American dream kept intentionally just out of reach. And the conflict is ultimately a story of two gangs who believe that for one community to rise, the other one must fall. Does that sound familiar? Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 20 continues, Moses says, revere the Lord your God, serve God, cling to God, swear by God's name alone. 
God is your praise. The Lord is your God. The one who performed these great and awesome acts that you witnessed with your own very eyes. Your ancestors went down to Egypt with a total of 70 people. But now look, the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the nighttime sky. Moses is calling them back to the Abraham story when when God covenants with Abraham uh, to to make Abraham's family as numerous, God says, as the stars in the sky. And and friends who've never left DFW, there's actually a lot of them up there. You just can't see them at night. There's a whole bunch. The story of the Israelites stepping into the promised land on the other side of the Jordan, on the west side, of the river will be one of looking up to the night sky and coming to know that as they grow in hospitality and compassion and care, as they continue to call the people of the world their people, then their numbers will grow. God is reminding them that crossing into hope, crossing into oneness, it also invites us to cross into abundance from scarcity into abundance, to see a sky full of stars and not to wonder how much larger will God make my family grow, but to look around me and realize that it already has. To not wonder how much larger will my family grow, but to look around and see that it already has. Abundance means we shift from more to enough. West Side Story is ultimately a challenging critique of the American dream of the promised land and how it can fail us if we enter in with the wrong mindset, if we don't cross in more ways than one. The Jets represent that generational trauma and poverty trapped in an endless cycle that feels impossible to escape no matter how many well-intentioned people assure them if they just pull themselves up by their own bootstraps, they can climb out if they try. The sharks represent the multitudes of people throughout the centuries who have come to our borders and across our shores seeking a better life only to feel the ceilings placed firmly on their heads due to culture, creed, and color of skin. The American dream, it seems, is not enough. The promised land doesn't magically solve our problems after all. But the question, it seems, as we stand on this side of the Jordan River is, have we had enough? Maria and Moses call to us in our wild wandering and ask, have you had enough, enough of the fear, enough of the tribalism, enough of the endless cycle of violence and conflict, enough of the powerful few dictating and dividing the masses? Have we had enough of believing there isn't enough? Are we willing to search not only our own hearts, but also our systems of society to rework and reform for the betterment of all? In the wealthiest place in the world, can we not just dream an American dream, but could we dream a God-sized dream? In the land of milk and honey, the promised land, isn't there enough? Not just for us, but also for the one who has not yet reached our border, wondering if there's enough for them. Maria and Moses, my friends, are calling, and will we answer? Can we cross from fear into hope? Can we cross from tribalism into oneness? Can we cross from scarcity into abundance? What could life be like? on the west side of the River Jordan. Amen.